You're fed up with a 9 to 5. You've been working hard for years and you're just not seeing the results you want. You want to break free from a traditional career but don't know how? Business Breaks is here to help. Subscribe now and rate and review on your favourite podcast platform. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Business Breaks, where we deep dive into entrepreneurship, leadership, and success stories. I'm your host, Dante Healy, and today we have an exceptional guest with over three decades of sales mastery, Lynn Whitbeck. She's the CEO of Petite Queen and Future Forward Sales, dedicated to elevating entrepreneurs and leaders to sales excellence. She's a mentor, a role model, and co-author of the bestseller, Practical Wisdoms at Work. With a 4.8 star rating, her expertise has been featured in USA Today, Huffington Post and more. So get ready for a power-packed episode filled with insights and inspiration. Lynn, thank you for being here and welcome to Business Breaks. Well, Dante, it's such a pleasure to be here and I'm excited to talk about sales because so many people just feel it's cringeworthy. And, you know, we definitely have some people who've made it that way. But sales is actually this joyful opportunity for you to help and serve and create impact with your clients. Thank you, Lynn. And I've got to be completely, completely transparent here. My first ever job was in telesales, and that was a tough gig, I'll tell you that. And it gave me that kind of perception that a salesperson is almost like that used car salesman that people talk about who promise the earth but no you can't deliver <laughs> and and we really need to get beyond that because people generally tend to get repelled by that sort of approach and but we also need to understand that if we can give value to people we have it's the responsibility is on us to communicate in that way that kind of gets our value proposition across check if there's a match and if there isn't redirect them if you can help them to to something better yeah no there's always a way that you can help and serve others and whether or not they're a heck yes for you they're a good fit for you to do business with that you can truly create impact for them but if not to your point you can recommend them to someone else you can mm-hmm. Uh, provide them with some other piece of useful a tool or piece of advice that they can run with. Absolutely. And uh, to kick off, uh, how did you, how did your career develop into becoming a sales and business mentor? You know, I've been selling since I was selling Girl Scout cookies. So oh. in the U.S., we have Girl Scouts, and and I wanted that that cookie badge that you had to literally sell a truckload of cookies to get. So. You know, and I loved Girl Scouts. I loved the organization. I loved the cookies. So it was an easy thing to sell, right? And I actually hauled one of my friends around with me uh, who was the shyest, most introverted person. And she took the money and I got them in the door. or I got them to the table <laughs> to buy the cookies. So, um, and we were the only two girls in our district to win that coveted cookie badge. So, you know, long, you know, story short, you know, it was... Sales for me has always been that ability to help serve and create impact. And when you do that from that genuine place where of worthy intent that you mm-hmm. truly desire to make a difference for them 
it's not about you for them. Um, it really creates this whole opportunity of building lifelong relationships. To this day, I have clients that I haven't worked with for, you know, as you said, 30 plus years. I could pick up the phone and call them and they'd be happy to hear from me um, because you build that kind of um, strength uh, and longevity when you approach sales from that true, worthy intent. And I think that's something that people sort of lose sight of when they think about sales, because sales, true professional sales, we're problem solvers. Um, we take away pain. We think outside the box. We assess risk. We look for ways to make our clients' lives easier, better, more effective, more efficient, whatever it is that is going to help them. And in turn, that helps their team. It helps their company. It helps their, their own clients. It helps their community. And so sales is, I mean, I love sales. I love sales. It's my way to help and serve. Well, you've sold me, <laughs> certainly. And I guess it's it's really important to um, to be able to connect with your customer and, and get that result for them because when they're in when they're experiencing pain, it's it's very hard to kind of see a way out. And if someone outside of that situation can see, what the solution is, it, it really creates magic. And to that point, really, um, it's important to be able to think like your customer in order to to effectively serve them. So with that empathy in mind, what strategies or techniques do you recommend business leaders should be doing more of to better understand and empathize with their customers' perspectives? Yeah. So the very first thing is you do want to embrace that client thinking and you start with what do they want, need or lack? Why does it matter to them? I mean, what problem are they trying to solve? What solution are they seeking? What's keeping them up at night? What are monetizable pain points? And, you know, what's in it for them mm. so they can dot, dot, dot. So they can what? classic example I use is nobody buys an iPhone to make a phone call, right? They buy it for all these other reasons. So what you have to do is really get inside your client's thinking and your client as you work through your relationship with them at every stage of the sale from that initial spark to building rapport to guiding them to a decision to now implementing your, prob um, your solution, your uh, working with them, that client thinking, it does shift and evolve. And so it's something that you ask yourself continuously and the world keeps changing. So that mm -hmm. client thinking, and once you solve one problem, there's new things that are, that become problems or new challenges that, that emerge new opportunities. So what you're doing is you're using that framework and I'll go over what you want, need or lack why it matters to them so they can and when you frame things in this it's all about them and then you match up that positioning your messaging up so that you can answer that for them so they can connect with them it's the best way that you can then create that spark of attraction and then you can talk with them in a way that makes sense to what they're what's what matters to them you know, what's driving them? What are their motivations and the emotions that are involved? So that you can position yourself and you can also recognize that 
that it's a good fit. It's a win-win and you're going to be able to truly help and serve them. And so that's how it all comes together. And as you had pointed out at the very beginning, that's when the magic happens. You're actually able to work with your clients and make a difference. And you can see the impact that you're creating. It's, it's really quite exciting. That's amazing. And yeah, I, I can imagine when you really serve a customer well, and they're so happy to to compensate you for it, it's 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 really makes really gives you an emotional uh, uplift. <laughs> and and coming to that point about which is really important about changing markets and how do business leaders constantly stay attuned to their customers because they have their journey, they have their life journey as well. Their evolving needs and preferences. How do you continually refresh that customer centricity and adapt to those changes? Well, the number one thing is, you know, complacency is your enemy. Mm-hmm. So the number two is to ask them and to stop talking. Mm-hmm. Because when you when you let the other people talk, they're gonna tell you everything you need to know. Mm-hmm. And, and you can prompt them by saying, tell me more help me understand, just going, huh, you know, or how is that impacting you? How is that affecting you? Is this causing you to leave money on the table? You know, pull out the information from them because when you structure that relationship, after you've begun to work with them, you want to continue to nurture and expand the opportunities that are there because existing clients make fantastic repeat customers, right? They make incredible referral and introduction partners, testimonials. You can get in on the ground floor of new opportunities when you keep listening. You keep asking and listening. And when you hear about an opportunity, you're going, well, you know, what would you think if we put together a proof of concept and we'll do a trial program to address this? Now, first of all, you get on the ground floor with that project. And even if they were to put it out to bid, you've done all the work. You've done all the proof of concept. You are literally in the driver's seat to getting that business. It's uh, it's that straightforward. But it's also who else do they know that they can introduce you to in other industries, not competitors, Mm -hmm. um, that would benefit from your Mm -hmm. product or service, uh, whatever it happens to be. So it is really um, this opportunity it's a lifetime opportunity if you listen. You ask questions and you listen because you're constantly wanting to tune in to the voice of your client. Wow, that's so important. And thank you so much for that. And listening is such an underrated skill, uh, I have to say. And I guess sometimes, though, the customers will be served, they're satisfied, that's it. Or They'll say, I'll get back to you. Sounds great. But, you know, they forget. And sometimes you have to have that that follow-up, shall we say. And I guess follow-up is often cited as a critical component of sales success. What are the best practices for effective follow-up that can accelerate business growth without coming across as too pushy? (laughs) Well, follow-up is effective in every aspect of your life and business. Because when have you not had to follow up with like your partner about taking care of like cleaning the gutters. I don't know, whatever it happens to be, right? Follow-up happens in every aspect of our lives. Mm -hmm. In sales, uh, the classic saying is the fortune is in the follow-up. 
And the reason why is that it keeps you front of mind and first in line because people are busy. That's the number one thing. People are busy. And even though something could be uh, important, they've got other fires that they're putting out or they're covering for two other people or they've got a crisis going on at home, right? And so people are busy and they're distracted. It's it's the, I can't remember what the, the latest number is because it changes every day, but we, we get like over 50 interruptions a day. So think about that. So when you're doing follow-up, it needs to be planned and you're going to look at what assets do you already have that you can utilize and then also use things that are going to answer that why that will be valuable to your prospect or to your client to move the conversation forward. Please, please, please don't do something. I actually literally got one today. It was like, oh, I'm following up to see if you have time now to do this. It's like, what? <laughs> okay, that is the easiest one to just brush off and it's gone and out of your mind. It had no impact. Mm. So instead, you want to lead with value. And so it could be, Dante, I just did a terrific masterclass on how to bust the ghost in sales. Now, this is going to have really key points that you're going to be able to implement immediately to improve your bottom line. Listen, I'm going to drop this in an email so that you have a link. This is a quick 30 minutes for you to watch, and you are going to get so much value out of it. Oh, by the way, this is Lynn, Lynn Whitbeck with Petite to Queen. So there you have it. Now, that was sort of like a voicemail, which you then, that second step, you drop that in the email, right? And then third step is that you're going to follow up in three business days, depending on your business, right? But three business days is a good rule of thumb. And you can either send it to them as a LinkedIn message, the exact same message, mm. or it can be a text. It can be a DM on Facebook or Instagram. It's like, where do they live? Where do they hang out? If they're on LinkedIn, but they don't, they aren't active on LinkedIn, then that's not your best choice. So it's just going to sit there for six months. <laughs> so think about that. And that I call that a triumphant triangle. So it's the picking up the phone and making a call, sending the email with the value, and then following up. I mean, doing the same exact information, but as three business days later, as a text, as a, as a, some kind of a message. It can also, if you're using LinkedIn, a great thing is to use the app and to leave it as a voice message on their LinkedIn. If you ever look at your messages on LinkedIn, it's just this screen of honestly spam. And then there's one that stands out because it was a voice message. That's the one they're going to listen to. And then keep it short and brief and to the point, providing, once again, demonstrating that you're credible, that you're competent, and that you're going to deliver value. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Lynn. And brilliant tips, brilliant tips. Do you think there's there's that point where it it goes into the realm beyond being just persistent and going into overwhelming the customer and maybe putting them off? How do you recognize that line when you kind of you know you can help this person, you're really excited to help them, but maybe if you push too hard you you risk rejection? Well, there's two coins of thought. Okay, if you're delivering value things that matter to them in a talk cadence, then, you know, if they end up being put off by something, that's on them. It's not personal. This is business. All right. Mm -hmm. 
if you're leading these lame attempts or you're just hounding people to book a call and you're only telling them about you and what you do and how you do it, we all get that on LinkedIn, right? Oh, I'm pushing this to the top of your inbox. That's just garbage, you know, and so you can expect garbage results. Let's be honest. If you're delivering value and things that matter, then you're going to, even when they don't respond, you actually have, they've heard you. I had a Fortune 500, a client, a huge multi-million dollar contract that we had this great conversation. And then it was like, I mean, like radio silence, like you fell off the face of the earth. But I continued with my weekly cadence and I mix up the methods. You know, I would send a voicemail. I would send um, a note card. I would send a package. I would send an email. I did all these different things. And, you know, one of my steps is that step 12 was I would send a meeting invitation for a lunch, a business lunch. Well, this meant that I'd have to fly in to have lunch. He accepted. No, he didn't. Nothing else. I sent an email to confirm it a couple of days before I flew in, was there. We went for it, went to lunch and we had a three hour lunch and we actually moved the deal forward. And he told me he had just been so busy. He wanted to do this, but he just had so many fires all the time to put out. But when I sent that lunch invitation, he went, I have to eat. I'll do it. And because he said, you kept delivering things that that did matter to him. He told me that outright, that it wasn't a nuisance. Instead, it was a value that I was delivering. And so therefore, we moved the conversation forward. So I want everyone to think about that. Sometimes that silence or that no is just a no for now. There's other things going on where you haven't demonstrated the value and how the difference that you can make, the impact that you can create for them. So there's a fine line, but the biggest part of that is, are you delivering real value, things that matter, or is it garbage? The other thing about cadence is it depends on the environment. If you're in real estate, it's going to be pretty fast because you want to either get that listing, you want to get the house sold or the, the business, uh, you know, the, the business building listed, whatever it happens to be. So whereas in other industries, your cadence is going to be more like once a week. So you're going to have to gauge that by the industry and what's sort of normal. Uh, there are some people who will send emails or put something into like drip campaigns every single day. But, and that is okay when it's valuable, when it's entertaining, when it is a quick digestion in the sense that you're sending them things that they can, uh, if it's an email that they can read in two to five minutes and be done with it, right? Mm -hmm. If it's, you're sending a video message three to five minutes, Think about things that people can do in a quick bite. Um, even though I'd said that 30 minute, you know, ghost busting masterclass, it's actually an hour masterclass, but um, I would probably send a snippet that's three to five minutes uh, because especially as part of your either outreach or follow-up because people have the attention span of an amoeba. And if they see it's that long, they won't, they won't partake. They won't take a sip. But if it's something where they can truly take a sip of the coffee, it's quick and easy, they'll do it. Brilliant. And thank you, Lynn. That makes so much sense. It's about making it as easy for them to want to do business when you make those connections. Also, leading with value, thinking about, well, what might be useful for them. 
and easy to consume, I guess, is the important thing. And brevity is very much a, a gift these days in this age of <laughs> constant distraction. And I guess following on on that theme, really, it's about those in, uh, relationships and coming from a good place. So, and you have a very interesting concept. What does building relationships with worthy intent mean? And how does it differ from, say, more transactional approaches to networking and relationship building? Well, when you build with worthy intent, it really is about who you are, that you genuinely desire to help and serve others, that um, that you want to be become a trusted partner, part of their mm -hmm. community. And it's it's on a very much a deeper level because this is about a long-term relationship that you're going to build with someone else that's going to become uh, you're going to become friends you know with your mm. your clients to a certain extent it doesn't mean that you go out and hang out with them on the weekends maybe in mm. some cases you might but you it it's that you are their go-to person even if it's just on a piece of advice it has nothing to do with what you do for them your product or service, but you've become a trusted resource. And it is that true client partner relationship. And so worthy intent uh, is that you're putting them first and that you have taken, you don't take yourself out of the equation because you're always your genuine and authentic self, but you're not looking at it as, oh, look, this is another notch in my belt, or this is another number you know, to give to my sales manager that I closed this. Um, that's not your approach. That approach, uh, that negative side of sales is short term and you experience tons of churn, right? For a good reason. When you, when your approach is with worthy intent, what you're doing is you're creating, even if they don't become a client, they can become one of your raving fans they can provide you with introductions and referrals and they create new opportunities for you. They might recommend you to some, uh, to, to, you know, to talk at a, a, at a trade show or a conference, right? So there's other ways that they, that, that you are still maintaining that relationship, but on a different level. Cause you can think of that as that you have your clients, your purchasers, you have partners, you have people who are promoters. And you're going to have people who are that, that, you know, that are still good to have in your network because they may have a platform that um, will help you um, expand your audience and create those sparks of interest. So, and, you know, when you do run across those people who are, are looking for that notch in the belt, we've all experienced them, you know, you exit stage left gracefully. And they're just not the people that you want to do business with. They're not going to be in it for the long haul. They're not going to be the ones that give a damn when everything went sideways. <laughs> and, yeah. and they're not going to work hard for you to get it fixed. And that's, that's part of the risk, isn't it? People who do use you as a stepping stone when you're slightly ahead of them. Uh, and then you end up feeling, you know, <laughs> feeling burned. Um, but yeah, I, I think on the upside, it's it's best to not be that person and just uh, think about your overall reputation because the world is a very small place, as we all know. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. And wonderful, wonderful insight. And 
coming to where we are now in today's digital age where marketing seems to be inundated with AI and artificial intelligence, which is very artificial, not so intelligent, I think. But <laughs> how can business leaders nowadays foster genuine and meaningful connections with their networking clients rather than superficial interactions? Well, you know, it really depends on the industry and what they're doing. I mean, you can have um, events where you bring your clients in. You can, if you go to conferences, you can have roundtables. You can bring them into um, a cocktail party or something where they can meet other people in your network and you can make those introductions. Making those introductions for people that make sense is a great way to also show your gratitude uh, and to keep them engaged. But that it's that's a that's a huge question because it it really needs to be around your business, uh, sometimes your own personal style, and what makes sense uh, because there's things that you can do virtually. So I, this is a really crazy example, but I'm in a, a pretty big mastermind, and one of the things that I did is I suggested to the ladies one night that we all went out to dinner when we we get together twice a year. We fly in to do this, um, and that spurned this girls' night out, uh, and then that spurned that. I said, well, why don't we just get together once a month to chat? And I said, "This is there's no purpose other than being there for one another, what's going on in our life, and maybe somebody might have some ideas. And this has become a monthly event that is so popular for the ladies, <laughs> um, and we went ahead and did that. So. And it was a way that I could connect with um, these other amazing women who have very different businesses. It's not intended for me to get business from them. If I get a side benefit of that, which I actually have, wonderful. But that, once again, I went in with that worthy intent. So, I mean, that's, that's not really answering your question, but there's opportunity all around us. And sometimes it takes someone from the outside to really look at your business and the industry and and who you are to put together the right combination and of things because if you try everything you're just doing you're actually doing nothing because you're spread so thin you need to really focus your attention and if something doesn't work like well why didn't it work did some aspects of it work what can be refined or changed or is it simply not right uh, and so those are all things that you have to work through. Uh, and I also wanted to touch base, like you commented a little bit about AI. And I want to be really clear. This is a tool that you can use if you use it really smartly, because you can put really long tail prompts in about what you're looking for and, and why you need it. And then, and then sort of have a dialogue that you can glean from certain pieces of information that can be valuable. And I know that I just used it recently because I was doing something for someone and they had told me that one of their favorite old time TV shows was Bewitched. If mm. you've ever seen that was anyway. And, I mean, this is, I don't even remember when it was made in the seventies or something anyway. So I went and I used AI to, to showcase examples from episodes of Bewitched and then I used some of that in a presentation and it was like, he just loved it because it was something that it was connecting something that he actually really liked 
but with the concept, the sales concept and why it would matter. And it was a natural fit, right? And so I used mm -hmm. AI to come up with those bewitched episodes that I would highlight in the presentation. Oh, that's a great answer. And yeah, I, I completely get you. And apologies if I'm if I came across as skeptical. <laughs> I use a lot of AI myself. And I think it's whilst the tools themselves aren't necessarily intelligent, they are powerful and it's how you use them. And yes. just to paraphrase what you said, it's really about focusing on the situation at hand, the business problem you're looking to solve and, and getting really specific. And then you can determine whether AI is a good fit or not. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tool like any other, um, but I can hardly concur if you use it and you just put a prompt in like well this is what i want to write my blog post about today and then you copy and paste it it's just garbage in garbage out it has no personality and not only that but people like google they've already figured that out and you're going to be on page two million and sixty five you know <laughs> so don't do that if you're that lucky <laughs> so i guess we're getting to another topic i really love which is when you have damaged a relationship and you go into recovery and repair mode, uh, so that relationship crisis or negative feedback uh, coming from a customer, what steps should they initiate to recover the relationship? Well, you know, things go sideways through no fault of your own. Um, it just happens in life, right? Um, in every aspect. So the first thing to remember is that your clients, they're human beings. And the very first thing is they need emotional repair because whatever happened, they feel betrayed. They feel like they've lost their trust. Um, they, they're having doubts. Uh, you don't know how this could you know, be impacting them. And, and this is the same for, for regular relationships, okay? Um, with your partners, with your kids, with your friends. It's about emotional repair. We're human beings. And emotional repair means that you need to let them tell you how this made them feel, right? I mean, in the sense that you have to stop talking. Don't try to explain. Don't try to brush it off. Don't try to dodge it. Um, just listen and and feel their feels, right? <laughs> it's And... It helps you then come to a place that, you know, that you can then, when they've been able to express themselves, you can tell them how genuinely sorry you are that this happened and you want to be able to move forward. And are they ready to talk about possible remedies? So that way you get their permission that they've, they've unburdened themselves enough and for some people who can be really buttoned down, it may be a little bit harder to draw them out, but this is important. It is very important for them to do the emotional repair because if you don't, just like when a marriage or a relationship goes sideways, it's because a bitter seed was planted and they just start to germinate and, and all of a sudden you have some argument over dinner that throws, is a screaming match over something from two years ago, right? Yeah. It's, 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 it, it, so, and the same thing happens in business. And so what you wanna do is let them tell you how they felt and ask questions to, to draw that out and then ask permission 
to go to look at remedies. And it's important that as a, sa a professional salesperson with worthy intent, that you have some remedies, that you have some options. And what's the best you know, option or what are different options, why you think one is better than the other, so that it, you don't just dump it on them, that you come with solutions. And that then you follow up on those solutions that you've put in place and how is that working. Wow. That's that's really insightful. Thank you so much, Lynn. And I guess you are someone who's obviously had all that experience. You, uh, even the best of leaders, they sometimes doubt themselves, right? So oh, absolutely. I think self-doubt is such a common experience. I'm, uh, you know, imposter syndrome hits me a lot of times, especially when I'm in new situations and you figure things out. And over time, you you kind of, you learn to handle it and you move forward but i guess that that's a key thing um how do you find self-doubt as a tool and how can it be harnessed as actually a positive force to improve decision making rather than hinder it yeah and, and i do want to point out that that self-doubt and imposter syndrome are two different things because oh. imposter syndrome you know people don't even feel that they are worthy to be seating at the, sitting at the table right so but self-doubt, universal, right? All of us have doubts. I have doubts, right? Mm. So <laughs> uh, one of the things that helps me is that when I'm faced with that, because I call it negative Nelly or negative Ned, they're speaking in their head. And you have to remember that there's a base part of us as a human being that is in survival mode. And we're thinking, you know, is this going to eat me? <laughs> Do I need to run type of thing? I mean, I know that's not the situation, but you know what I mean? That that this is yeah. what's going on. So what you do is that I use this thing of what's the worst case scenario, what's the best case scenario, and what's the most likely scenario. And when I look at the worst case scenario, I can then say, well, if this happened, well, how would I respond? What would I do? And you can run through this exercise in about a minute to five minutes in your head, right? Mm -hmm. You can really go through that quickly. And then, okay, now what's the best case scenario? Oh, okay, wow, total total flip side. Now what's the most likely scenario? And when you do that, first of all, it helps you, A, you, you sort of step in and address what is you're afraid of. What's the fear? What's that underlying fear? And sometimes it will help you identify that there is actually some real risk involved. Like, do I really wanna walk down that dark alley <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. So, <laughs> right, risk assessment. And uh, then there are other times, oh, look at this beautiful park. Yeah, yeah I'm going to walk down this pathway and see what, what, that, what that pavilion looks like down there. You know, a very totally different situation. So sometimes our fear is there for a reason. And so by going through that scenario, then you can sort of go, okay, you know, do I want to go ahead and let negative Nelly uh, is she mm. is she or negative Ned? Are they there for a reason, or is it just that you know I need to 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 look this in the eye? I need to look this fear in the eye and say, yeah, okay. Well, if that's the worst thing that happens, the client says no. Okay, you know mm. I'm going to be all right. You know the next the next client may say yes. Mm. Thank you, and um, thank you again for correcting me uh, in <laughs> oh, terms yeah. of. Yes. But I guess I guess the commonality is really it's it's about 
dealing with a lack of confidence at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah, and absolutely. So, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Lynn. Wow, it's been a wonderful interview. The time has absolutely flown by. But I have one last question to ask you. Uh, finally, if our, any of our listeners want to reach out, where can they best connect with you online? Well, my website is petite2queen.com, and that's the digit two, petite2queen.com. Um, last time I checked, I'm the only Lynn Whitback on LinkedIn. And so you can find me there. We have um, a lot of terrific content around getting more clients. I have a TV show called Get More Clients, uh, which I teach and train on sales strategy every single week. And not only is it on Amazon Fire, Roku, and Apple TV, on YouTube, on our website, but I also do it as a Facebook Live. So, hey, come on in and join me and ask me your questions. I'll be happy to, to answer them. Wonderful. And um, I'm sure people get a lot of value. So I will definitely ensure that those links are in the show notes. Lynn, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, Dante, thank you so much and being so gracious. It's been a real pleasure talking with you. And I'm excited about where you're headed, not only with this show, but with your business and your life. Thank you so much, Lynn. Been a pleasure as well. Hopefully talk to you soon. Thank you. Business Breaks, all things business podcast with Dante Haley and John Byrne.